Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for this week's Know Your Foe episode. The Cincinnati Bengals, of course, in an enormous divisional game. Uh, and here to join us to talk about the Bengals is Jake Liskow. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Good to be back on the Know Your Foe podcast representing the Bengals' perspective of things. Happy to All be right. here. Always good to have you. A great person to talk football with and a great follow for uh, for Ravens fans who want somebody who covers the Bengals, who knows what they're talking about. Uh, and, and give folks your Twitter handle for starters and where they can find your work. Yeah, I'm at Jake Lisco on Twitter. Just my first name, then my last name, L-I-S-C-O-W, for those of you who can't figure that out, which don't blame you for it. And I am on the Lockdown Bengals podcast five days a week covering the Cincinnati Bengals to butcher the pronunciation of the name as best I can. All right. Uh, Bengals obviously having a, having a good year, a little bit ups and downs there, just like there have been for the Ravens. Uh, Bengals, I, I thought from the start, they'd be a, a, a highly feared team in the division, but as is always is the case in football, the healthiest team usually wins. And, and the Bengals have been by far the healthiest team in the AFC North, despite uh, other factors. Yeah, they've had a couple spots start to pile up lately. Linebacker, the most notable of those, they're down to Jermaine Pratt and Marcus Bailey last year's seventh round pick, really. They lost Joe Bacci last week to a torn ACL. He was a practice squatter who came up and played pretty well for a couple weeks. Logan Wilson's still dealing with a dislocated and or separated shoulder. He's not going to be back this week. Akeem Davis-Gaither on IR, Jordan Evans on IR, so... The linebacker position is pretty dire, I would say, at this point. They've called up Keandre Jones from the practice squad, and he's a special teamer. Hopefully, he doesn't need to play defense for the Bengals, but who am I to complain to a guy that is covering the Ravens and the injury decimation that's piled up on that side of the ball? The other one of note, I would say, for the Bengals is right tackle Riley Reef will not be playing this week. He's also on injured reserve. 
Now, whether it will be Fred Johnson, who played pretty well against the Denver Broncos last week, or if it'll be Isaiah Prince, who has been apparently their backup right tackle of choice, we'll have to see this week. But those are the two notables where they have a lot of starters missing, very healthy along the defensive line, the rest of the offensive line healthy enough to play, except for right guard, where I guess they've sustained some injuries and have had a bit of a rotating door. Wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, all reasonably healthy. Joe Mixon, despite sustaining a apparently painful ankle injury, was a, a participant in practice on Wednesday for the Bengals, so it looks mm. like he'll be playing against the Ravens. All right. So the Ravens, uh, uh, you mentioned it, I, I think, in our pre-show here. They only had 13 people practicing on defense today. Crazy. They actually, they actually closed the practice for the media, and, and they do that by moving it indoors, which means the media can't attend due to pro- COVID protocols. And then they can't see exactly what's going on and write about it. And you know, it's obviously something they don't want to answer a lot of questions about. Uh, it, it, the Ravens side of things will either work it out or it won't over the course of the week. And they, obviously it's unlikely that they're going to have a large influx of players back. They might get Chuck Clark back from last week, but uh, it's, it's, uh, it's scary looking ahead at this game. And, and this game means everything to both teams. I think we, we can fairly state the winner of this game has the easy inside track to, to the, uh, division title, maybe not easy in the, in the case of the Ravens because they're still going to be short a bunch of players. But uh, but they but they uh, you know the better chance to win the division. And it feels like every team in the NFL at this point has got to be waiting for the COVID shoe to drop for them. Yeah. And if there's transmission happening in games and it's going from one locker room to the other, you know that's scary for the Bengals, I would think. And the other thing that's on my mind is is if you talk postponement. Then you got both the Ravens and the Bengals on a short week going into games sure. against Kansas City for the Bengals and Los Angeles for the, the Rams for the Ravens. So this division, in all of its insanity, this week you have the Steelers playing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs might not have anybody. So right. so the Steelers suddenly in it. So, so the AFC very much in a very wild and unpredictable spot right now due to external factors. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I, I really do not like football played this way on either no. end of the stick here. This way, I didn't enjoy watching the Browns all shorthanded with a, that Nick Mullins at quarterback. I, no. You know, I just don't enjoy any of this. And and I, the, you know, as a regular reporter on the team, it's it's depressing enough to deal with an injury laden season. It's very difficult. Uh, and you know, you I, I you do stuff five days a week. I do stuff seven days a week in terms of of having you know material I'm doing every day. It's a, it's a integral part of my life. I don't get away from it really during the, during the football season. So, you know, I've depended on a team that's playing pretty well, or at least, uh, you know, has hope on a consistent basis as the Ravens usually do. Uh, this is not, this is not that. And, and I've been through this a couple of times before 2015 was terrible for the Ravens. 2007 was terrible. There's, I'm sure there've been Bengal seasons, which have been very bad for injuries as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you could argue the last, Five years, the, the Bengals fans will probably tell you they've been dealing with it. E- even this year, by certain measurements, like they've been pretty healthy. And I don't know if this is the best measurement of it, but the estimated value lost metric that that somebody put, I, I guess I can't quote it, so I shouldn't be talking about it, but had the Bengals pretty high up on, mm-hmm. on loss to injury this year. But is it the, the whale metric that one of the PFF interns came up with? 
I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I should not have brought it up because I don't know the answer to the question. That's okay. That's okay. We, uh, uh, had had a guy on the show earlier this year who, who went through his whale metric, T- uh, Tage Seth, uh, who was one of the PFF entries. Yeah. By the way, they're very impressive kids. And, you know, they're in the Cincinnati area there with you when they do their internship generally. I think they are. I think they go to Cincinnati to do those things. And uh, it's it's uh, the, the kids go there. A lot of them come from Michigan, but from other schools in the Midwest. And just very impressive uh, young football analysts. They're great to great to talk football with. Yeah, sometimes they get some bad ideas in their heads, but uh, <laughs> generally speaking, having been young and dumb once, sometimes sometimes you you know you you stumble onto things, and sometimes you stumble onto fool's gold. It's just yep. the way of the world. There you go. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the Bengals a little bit in terms of their progression this season, what's been going on. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, talk a little bit about his season and, and how it's gone out. I know he's got a fairly high interception rate, uh, one of the highest in the NFL. But but other than that, how, how have things been? Well, I think the interception rate even is something that bears talking about because you look at that number and you say, oh, that's high. Mm-hmm. And, and then you look at the film and it's like, oh, one of those interceptions should have been a touchdown. Oh, he, he made some bad decisions at times, but the interceptions are overstated. I think mm-hmm. he's been somewhat unlucky. I, I was listening, actually, speaking of PFF, to Sam Monson and Steve Palazzolo talk about this uh, this morning, actually, that Joe Burrow has 15 turnover-worthy plays, has 14 interceptions this year. Wow. That, that shouldn't uh, happen. <laughs> generally is a bigger gap. Generally, quarterbacks throw more turnover-worthy passes and, and have more drops on interceptions. Look at Patrick Mahomes in 2020, for example. Yeah, do they uh, have a baseline for that? Do they have a, a, a like, a, normally the rate is 1.8 to 1 or, you know, 2 to 1? I'm sure they do. I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite that severe. It might be like mm-hmm. 1.4 to 1 or something okay. like this. But um, generally speaking, you tend to see a bigger gap than 1. Uh, mm-hmm. But Burrow has made some mistakes. He's also had some interceptions where it was like truly a fantastic play from the defense or he just got got. Uh, He's had a a couple picks that have come when he was being hit. And he's had a couple picks come on really good throws. So the interceptions, I would say, are a bit inflated. And in the last few weeks, I think he's started to really start to feel like himself again. And so there's a couple things happening with Burrow. One is, you know, he's starting to feel recovered from his ACL injury, which means he's moving in the pocket better. I think he's more comfortable in the pocket than he was earlier this season. And the other thing that's happening for him is he's a second-year quarterback. And I think that's sometimes easy to forget because he came into the league and carried himself like a veteran from the beginning, at least for Bengals fans. I know Ravens fans that watched him last year saw a guy that looked like a rookie quarterback. And then you watch him this year and you saw a guy that – well, went for 400 yards and three touchdowns, mm-hmm. and it was a blowout. And so he's come a long way in terms of his mental processing, and I think this was always a strength for him, but he's just seen more now, and so he's more capable of getting the Bengals into the right looks at the right times and into the right calls, the right checks at the line. And this is something, again, that I think has always been a strength, but the more experience you have in the NFL, obviously, the better you're going to be at that. And so... I think that's come along for him. And in the last couple of weeks in particular, dealing with this dislocated pinky that on Wednesday he said might need surgery after the season, his accuracy hasn't really diminished at all. Hmm. It's, it's actually pretty incredible. I don't know if he's playing through pain or if it's just something that's like structurally we should get this right in the offseason. But 
was certainly in pain when he injured it. You could see him on the sideline grimacing, but um, I, I think he's been playing some of his best football the last couple of weeks. I know they didn't get the win against the 49ers, but standing in against pressure, making incredible throws under pressure in that game, and then against the Broncos last week, just really responsible. Vic Fangio secondary had the clamps, 100% had the clamps on the Bengals wide receivers. The passing game just wasn't there. They had very few opportunities to push the ball downfield, and Burrow didn't, to his credit. He, he didn't try to force the ball into windows where it would put the ball in danger. And I think that that speaks to his ability to play to a game plan. The Bengals were not scared of Drew Locke and the Broncos offense, and mm-hmm. so there was an emphasis on taking care of the ball. And so I, I think Burrow's come a long way. I think he has everything you want in a quarterback except for Justin Herbert's arm. And I think he's going to be a special player in this league for some time if the Bengals can get him healthy because, uh, you know, especially when you look at his performance in a clean pocket, again, a PFF metric, he, he's phenomenal. Sure. So you patch up that offensive line a little bit and things maybe take off. I think in his first game against the Ravens, he had 16 point. I, I keep it slightly different, a three-second pocket, but he had 16.4 yards per play on those games in the first game against the Ravens. So uh, that that was that was not a winning formula for uh, for, for them. How about his ability to keep his eyes downfield still as pressure is approaching? I would say that's been a, a little bit intermittent this year. There, there have been times where that's broken down, but for the most part, I think he's still really good at that. And that was a strength of his at LSU. It was one of the mm-hmm. reasons we thought he could be so special is his ability to create off script. You can go watch the, I think, first or second drive of the Broncos-Bengals game from last week. There's a hold on the play, but he, he gets out of a sack from two guys, rolls to his right, hits Jamar Chase on the run, 50 yards down, 40 yards downfield. So that's still there. Um, it, it just hasn't necessarily been consistent throughout games, especially when he's getting battered. At some point, even I think the best quarterbacks will start to drop their eyes a little bit. And you've seen that a little bit from him this year, but but not a ton. Yeah, I think it's been one of the things that saved Lamar Jackson and his career here in Baltimore, particularly this year with Alejandro, working with Alejandro Villanueva. And, and Jackson's an enormous slump prior to the injury, but uh, he bounces off pressure very well from the backside. And in fact, he can take a lot of these bully into his lap kind of pressures that Villanueva gives up while mirroring reasonably well and move the pocket at that point and he maintains tremendous focus down the field in the in the process so it's been one of the things we've been happy about I I, I heard his comment today about there's nothing to do in Cincinnati and so who's gonna you know that was helping them with their COVID protocols uh any kind of a backlash from that that you're hearing from the fans at all Probably. I, I don't pay attention to that stuff, though, if I'm being honest, Ken. that's uh, I'm, I'm trying to watch football. You know, yeah. I, I'm an X's and O's nerd. I, I like to watch the film and see what's happening out there. Um, I, I, I think it's silly, and I'm sure there are people that are upset about it. I, I don't live in Cincinnati anymore, though, so who am I to get defensive? I haven't lived there since I was 18. Very good. Okay, so it's not your own time anymore. All right. So anyway, I I know Willis McGahey said it about Buffalo when he came to the Ravens. He talked about you know it was it was the most boring place on earth because all he would do is stay home and play Xbox or whatever. In days, I, I I know those things never really go well, particularly with the players left town. But Burrow, the, he's going to get a lot of forgiveness. I'll say this: I was in Cincinnati for Week Four for the Thursday mm-hmm. night game against Jacksonville. There are things to do in Cincinnati. I don't know what Joe wants to do. Like Cincinnati is a city that has amenities you would expect from a Midwest city, from a landlocked city. Like there's no beaches. 
and mm-hmm. maybe they're limited mountains. Maybe, maybe like, I don't know what he wants to do. So, so that, that would be my question to Joe Burrow is what is it that like, do you want to hit the beach? I'm sorry. You're not in LA. <laughs> Clubbing was specifically mentioned, but I, we don't need to go for this. It's just, this is beyond silly at this point. Let's yeah. talk about the, about the Bengals wide receiving core. And, and they obviously tore the Ravens apart pretty badly in that first game. A, a lot of that, frankly, was the, the Ravens have a, one of their worst games in team history in terms of tackling. Uh, it's the Ravens tackling had been a problem for a lot of this year. They've, they've actually gotten that part of their game straightened out, I think. Uh, but that game was, was hideous in terms of his missed tackles and Jamar chase in particular was a beneficiary of a couple. Yeah. So still very much a three headed monster and Jamar chase since that game has not produced nearly at the level that he had produced in the Bengals first seven games this year. Uh, he's had some very, public or discussed drops and and so this is a point of of conversation i think he's like second in the nfl in drops or maybe even first now right up there with you know chase claypool and aj brown this year in drop rate that said uh for for me personally i I don't care if you drop a pass if you're going to put up you know two touchdowns and 80 yards and score on a broken play because you have that chemistry with Joe Burrow and, and you go back to that San Francisco game and you see that, and that, that does still exist between those two guys. There's an extra level of chemistry there that for a rookie wide receiver, you would not expect to see, uh, even if it is their college quarterback, I think. So Jamar Chase remains, I think, a problem. I think you're seeing teams since the Ravens game cloud him most of the game, every game, since then, you're generally seeing teams roll safeties over the top. The beneficiary of that until the Denver game had been T. Higgins, mm-hmm. who had had three consecutive 100-yard games on the other side. And T. Higgins is a very capable receiver yes. in his own right. And one of my favorite things about T. Higgins is his ability to catch the ball away from his body, uses his length quite well. And this is something that he needed to grow into a little bit. T. Higgins very young. Jamar Chase, also very young, of course, but T. Higgins came into the league at 21. He turns 23 in January, does T. Higgins. So still still young at age 22, using his 6'4 frame quite well this year, and especially in the last few weeks. He had been battling some injuries, I think, early in the year. You might remember he had 15 targets against the Ravens. This is the first game they really featured him coming off of some early season injuries, and he wasn't great. But yeah, he started to pick it up coming out of or something. It was, yeah. a, it was a low yards per target number. The Ravens have got a lot of that going on this last week. They had Andrews had 10 targets for, sorry, 13 targets for 136. So 10 point, 10 and a half. Everybody else, 29. No, sorry. Let me get this right. 27 targets for 79, 2.9 yards per target for everyone else. Per target, not per reception. You know, so quite bad. Um, You mentioned the cloud coverages. Uh, The Ravens just used the first really specialty coverage I can remember in years against any receiver against Devontae Adams uh, in the Green Bay game. They rolled a safety over the top um, directly in in these double coverage. The last time I can remember this happening with like man with a, with a safety on top was in 2009 in the AFC wildcard game against Randy Moss. I, but the question came up this week on the, on the defensive show is, is do you think they might do the same to Jamar Chase after that first game? Would it make sense for the Ravens to do that? Or do you think they give away too much in terms of Higgins on the other side? I think Higgins and Boyd, I mean, 
obviously a slot receiver. You're not taking resources away from the slot too much right. if you if you're putting a safety over an outside guy. But I, I wouldn't do it with the state of my secondary. Like I, I don't know how you deal with the state of your secondary yep. if you're Baltimore right now, though. Like without Everybody. any starters, <laughs> like like is there like, who, who is it? Practice squad guys. Like I, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but I, I don't think Jamar is on that level with Devontae Adams. I I think Jamar Chase is a very good receiver and has a very bright future. I think Devontae Adams is currently, you know, appropriately getting Randy Moss coverage because he's doing stupid things. Even when he draws that Randy Moss coverage, very few corners are showing that ability right now. But, you know, you can try it if, if you want. And I bet you try it, you know, from time to time. If, if nothing else, at least... I don't think Wink Martindale can go out there and try to play man and try to send man pressures again. I mean, unless he's that stubborn, that that seems like a the old insanity quote that I hate, you know, doing the same thing and expecting different results. But right. um, I don't know if it's quite the same situation as with Devontae Adams, especially because like no, no disrespect to Valdez Gantling and the other receivers in Green Bay. I think T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, CJ Uzama are better. Yep. Than, than the additional guys in Green Bay. And I think that Devontae is better than Jamar. So I, I think you take a balanced approach if you're if you're the Ravens and you get out of the man blitzes because they got you killed last time. Yeah, well they I I, I think they in Green Bay against Green Bay they hardly I hardly blitzed at all uh, the whole game six times, which is absurdly low for the Ravens. Yeah. You see them rush eighteen you know, five plus eighteen percent of the time. But they did a uh, uh, the thing that they did on Adams, I think, was as much because of their weakness as the opponent's strength. Right. It's because, you know, you're really hiding a practice squad cornerback underneath a safety who might know what he's doing. And that that gives you a chance to, to better cover that. So that's the reason I think they might they we might see it again this week. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of cover, too. I think we'll see a lot of four man pass rush from the Ravens. And Burrow's going to probably have some time in the pocket. And that usually is not good news. Yeah, if he if he can get protected against cover two, he'll pick it apart eventually. And I will say this: the Bengals the last couple of weeks against two high shells have had some issues figuring it out. There might be some takeaways for Wink Don Wink Martindale watching the the Vic Fangio approach. Because, like I said, I was I was incredibly impressed with with the discipline and the ability for Denver's defensive backs to to you know the, the communication the handoffs from from one zone to the next all and, and the discipline the the eye discipline elite elite mm-hmm. stuff and and i don't think you have that caliber of player healthy in no. baltimore and obviously vic fangio has a bit of a different defensive philosophy i think than martindale does but uh th- there there could be some lessons there but burrow and the bengals offense and, and these play callers had a bit of a hard time figuring out how to beat what they were presented with the last weeks, the last couple of weeks. And they, they got there in the second half against San Francisco. And maybe they would get there in the first half if there, if there weren't two muffed punts that deprived them of two first half possessions. Mm-hmm. But it, th- there was an adjustment period. And, and Joe Burrow can make those throws against cover two. He can beat cover two. It's, it's just, is it something that they're, that they're ready for? Or do they actually catch the Bengals off guard? Because, if, if it's not what the Bengals are planning for, we, we have a pretty distinct track record at this point, I would say, of Burrow, Callahan, Taylor, the offensive brain trust, taking a little bit of time to figure out how to beat you. 
and and they'll they'll probably eventually figure out figure you out most weeks and i think they have most weeks this year but but sometimes those slow starts are too slow and then the game is away from you all right uh, i think everybody knows who joe mixon is tell us through any changes on the offensive line you want to talk through quick real quickly uh there's a new starting right guard I don't remember who was actually playing at right guard in week seven. It was probably Jackson Carmen. It's now Hakeem Adeniji who started the year on mm-hmm. IR with a torn pec. I think that if Kalias Campbell plays and is and is relatively healthy, we'll see with his hamstring, I guess. He is, again, going to have beneficial positive plus matchups on the interior, regardless of who's starting at right guard. At right tackle without Riley Reef. I, I mean, again, we have no idea who's playing your, your edge rushing positions in Baltimore, but... If, if they are players who are halfway decent, that matchup is better without Riley Reef. And I don't know if it's going to be Fred Johnson who played against the Broncos. The Broncos have a pretty atrocious pass rush without Von Miller. And uh, Draymond Jones didn't play last week for them. So they really didn't have any guys. But Fred Johnson played really well at tackle last week. Isaiah Prince was sick, not with COVID, but was sick and didn't play. It had been Isaiah Prince before that. So not sure who it'll be at right tackle. But... Fred Johnson, when he's on, is actually pretty good. Big guy, good good skills, or not good skills, good uh, good traits. And mm-hmm. if he's on and if he's got the technique going, he could be good at right tackle. It's just you don't really know what you're going to get with him on a game-to-game basis. Those are the biggest notes on the offensive line. I'd say the left side is, is kind of what it has been. Quentin Spain at left guard, Jonah Williams at left tackle have pretty good chemistry between the two of them. I think Trey Hopkins... Better against four-man fronts than three-man fronts and mm-hmm. uh, has been slowly getting better as the year has gone on because he had the torn ACL in January and played in week one. So I think you're starting to see him slowly getting a little bit better as the season goes on, but he's not the same as he was last year either. So that's the offensive line. All right. Uh, Mixon, you said playing through a small injury. Right. Um Okay, uh, let's let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball here because we 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 don't need to do a full show here and on uh, second matchup and in particular with this game, trying to guess what might happen is a, is a tad futile with the with the current roster situation for the Ravens, but uh, defensive line largely healthy. Yeah, I think entirely healthy. I, I know DJ Reader didn't practice on Wednesday. He later tweeted, "Don't worry about it. I'm good." DJ Reader, I'm sure whoever did your show the last time you did the Bengals for the, for the first game this season mm-hmm. sung his praises is the glue that makes this team go. He, he makes a front seven work. If he's not on the field, the opponents are going to be able to run the ball. If he's on the field, you're going to have a much harder time running the ball. Trey Hendrickson has been fantastic all year. He's going to be going against Villanueva for the entire game. They don't really move him around. Mm-hmm. And he's got, uh, he needs a half sack in his next two games to tie Javon Kurse for the longest streak in NFL history with at least a half sack in a game. His full sack streak was broken, unfortunately, last week. He only had a half sack. So he no longer gets to chase the full sack record from, I believe it was Chris Jones, 2019. Yeah. All right. Chris Jones had that remarkable streak. Uh, all right, we we uh, uh, linebacker. You mentioned there have been some injuries there, particularly on the inside. Yeah, very injured, I would say, and it's kind of at a point where I think that this is a matchup that if Lamar Jackson is healthy, and even Tyler Huntley to some degree, we saw his ability to run. This this could potentially be a bit of a problem in terms of contain, in terms of 
you know, just just do because the Bengals in the first game did a great job of keeping Lamar in the pocket. I know it was a lot of the defensive line, but Lamar Jackson, I know he had 12 rushes for 88 yards, but I thought the Bengals did a great job on him. They had five sacks in that game. I thought they did a really mm-hmm. good job in general containing the Ravens run game and Lamar Jackson. And so they lose some speed with Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis Gaither not being able to play, even with Jordan Evans not being able to play. If Jordan Evans isn't a great linebacker, that, that might be true. He at least had speed. That was his calling card. But Jermaine Pratt, former safety, has some speed, not great speed, has been better this year, I'd say, than he than he really has been in his career. He's having a bit of a career year, I think a contract year, or is it his third year? I think it's his third year. Marcus Bailey, second round or second year, seventh round pick. Not really sure what you're going to get there. Out of Purdue, had pretty good skills. And if not for his injuries, would have been probably a day two pick. Mm-hmm. But we've hardly seen him in the NFL. Pratt had a big talking game before the week 17. Week 17? I think it was week 17 last year when they still only played 16 games. I'm still adapting to that change. When the Ravens ran all over the Bengals for 400 plus yards, uh, Pratt had talked a lot before that game. And then it really appeared that he checked out in that second half. He was not looking for contact and a pretty honestly embarrassing game from him uh, at the end of last year. Uh, I would believe you, I suppose. I mean, I know it's Logan Wilson that seemed to have had the Ravens numbers. destroyed the Ravens. Uh, But but he uh, will not be playing this week. That said, I I do think Pratt has been better this year. I I really do. And and a lot of that is DJ Reader makes your linebackers jobs way easier and and so so to BJ Hill and Josh Tupou or Josh Tupo underheralded I think interior guys for the Bengals. You got to remember that last year in that Week 17 game, the Bengals were playing literally street free agents on their defensive line. Yeah, we we do get that feeling now in Baltimore. We understand what that means. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're not. Uh... Yeah, this year they're playing guys they actually like including the best nose tackle in the NFL, one of the t- best couple nose tackles in the NFL in in uh, DJ Reader. And BJ Hill's having a great year. Jo- uh, Larry Ogunjobi has seven sacks this year. So, I mean, they have actual players wow. on the well, interior sure. of the defensive line. Ogunjobi, another Ravens killer from his time with the Browns, but uh, I didn't realize he had seven sacks this year. That's really impressive. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's having... He, I mean, he's still the same guy. He just has more sacks, if we're being honest. He's still the same guy, up and down kind of stuff, but he'll have those incredibly flashy, splashy penetration plays where he's going to blow you up right away. Hmm. All right, uh, let's talk about the secondary then. Uh, who's left standing there? Are they largely healthy? Where are they? Largely healthy. Uh, the one question mark is Chidobe Awuzie, who happens to be their best corner. He's on the COVID list. This is the only Bengal on the COVID list, so preaching from a place of luxury. Um, But this is the second time on the COVID list this year. The first time he got back within a week, it was over the Bengals' bye week. He didn't really miss anything. This time, really no idea. Uh, They did get Trey Waynes back from IR. Uh, I, I would rather, much, much rather have Shadobe Awuzie, regardless of the contract size for these two guys. Shadobe Awuzie this year has played like a top 10 corner in the NFL. He's been really good, had fantastic tape against Devontae Adams. Speaking of a guy we've talked about on this show, mm-hmm. I thought he played one of the best, best games you could expect reasonably against Devontae in that game. He's, he's good. He's just a good player, flat out. He's the guy the Bengals used to shadow if they did shadow, and he's a big question mark. Trey Waynes last week got 
got mossed by Tim Patrick. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he thought he had a pick, and then Tim Patrick bodied him. So, mm-hmm. you know, Trey Wayne's known for his ability against the run. Is still solid in that area, I think. But as a cover corner, is still kind of the guy that he was in Minnesota and is coming off of hardly playing football in two years. So really not so sure what we're getting there. On the other side of the field, it's Eli Apple at this point. And it's a name that's easy to make fun of, but he's actually been really good in the last month and has really kind of leveled up his game. I don't know if it's going to continue. I don't know if this is a post-hype breakout for the former first-round pick or if this is just a solid string of games. But he's actually been okay to the point that like, if Cheeto was healthy, it might be Cheeto and Apple on the outside and not Cheeto and Waynes. Like, that, that's an actual discussion that might happen, even though Trey Waynes is making like $12, $12 $15 million this year. Yeah, Who's, who's in the slot then uh, when they go to three? In the slot is Mike Hilton. You know him from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. of course. He, he's, again, solid player, has some questions in coverage for sure. He's, he's an all-around player, though, solid against the run, reputed to be a great blitzer. We haven't really seen those dividends this year. Uh, it hasn't been replicated the same way it was in Pittsburgh, probably being asked to do some slightly different things. But he's been a, a solid player for sure. And if nothing else, has provided that intangible of, of veteran leadership in the Bengals locker room. I know that they really respect him in there. All right. Uh, Jesse Bates, of course, at safety. Uh, right. Raven, another Ravens killer. Uh, who's yeah. the other safety now? The other safety is Von Bell still. Bell has probably been the better safety this year. Might shock wow. you to hear. Uh, Jesse Bates been up and down. Has been a little bit better lately. Has started to pick up his game a little bit the last few weeks. And, Bengals fans will be hoping that continues for the rest of the year. But the big difference in Jesse Bates this year, last year is last year, Jesse Bates was in the top of the leaderboards in terms of interceptions and pass breakups. At least those two things combined this year. I think he has maybe like two pass breakups this year. Wow. They're asking him to do different things or doing more split safety stuff, a lot less single high where he's playing center fielder, more three safety looks with uh, who's that third safety Ricardo Allen. He goes back with Lou Anarumo all the way back to their college days. Um, but yeah, Jesse Bates, not quite as effective as he was last year. And Von Bell's been really solid. Now, do they have an answer for Mark Andrews between those two guys? I don't think so. But they did okay against him the first game, from what I recall. Mark Andrews had three catches, 48 yards on seven targets. So, you know, they, they seem to have a good plan that first game. We'll see how those things have changed the second time around because. I can't imagine that either team is going to roll with what worked the first time because I think, you know, the Bengals know the Ravens have to change things up and the Ravens know that they can't do the same thing lest they get torched again. I, 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 I think it's unlikely Lamar Jackson will play. And the question, mm. uh, I, I, a week off for Lamar Jackson here effectively means two weeks off for Lamar Jackson or three. It means two weeks off if Huntley pulls out a cobbles together a win somehow against the Bengals on, on Sunday, because I think you wait until try and win that Pittsburgh game, which you probably have to anyway, to, to win the division. And Pittsburgh well could, could win two games in a row if, with their current COVID advantages. <laughs> we'll see if that holds up. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, just right now, I mean, the Ravens, the Ravens have to win this game to get to the playoffs. I mean, I just do not see another way. I, I them winning the next two games is just so far fetched. Um, 
it would be uh, it'd be difficult to imagine. So I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Tyler Huntley, you know, being a quarterback drastically changes what they do. If, I don't know if you saw the game this uh, this last week, but uh, Huntley was would you know got, got a lot of credit for what he did. But I mean, he's five yards a, a target, five yards a throw for for the game, and there's nothing. That's not something you aspire to. That's something you try and improve on. Uh, he didn't get he didn't get sacked only once, and he and he didn't get picked off, which is good. They, they didn't turn the ball over. That's obviously that's that's a very positive thing. And they played a close game against a superior opponent, and and that's something we can look at. But I think the Ravens will have to do. They're going to have to really find something special, uh, both in terms of of how they the heart they pull in this game, and and uh, and what they do schematically uh, to make this work. There's just so many questions with who's going to play. And, and that's really what it is. Uh, we just did our crossover on, on Locked On Bengals where we talked with our Locked On Ravens guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, p- part of what I said when I started to, to think about what I think might happen in this game is might be the same coaches, might be some of the same players on that Baltimore team. But this is not looking like a Ravens team that we expected to see take the field at any point this year. There's like five players, maybe six players that, you know, you expected to be playing significant snaps. And the the interesting thing is, is that Baltimore, despite these injuries piling up, and I know it's much worse this week with COVID is, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're in these one, two point games the last three weeks mm-hmm. and they're not bad teams. And, and the Bengals have had their ups and downs too. And both these teams, you talk about the Ravens needing this win to get into the playoffs. I think that's true for the Bengals, too. I agree. Because I think it's true. The, the Bengals get the Chiefs next week. And all these guys that are currently going on the COVID list for the Chiefs in time to play the Steelers, because, of course, uh, are probably going to be back. Right. right. And so predicting the Bengals to, to, you know, take care of business against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, that's that's lunacy. That, you know, you're, you're hoping. You're not expecting, I think, in that game. And, and so... With the, with the Browns and Baker Mayfield, who's had the Bengals number in week 18, I think the Bengals need two. And I think the most likely two are the Ravens and the Browns. And both of those are still very difficult. Right. It's same, it, same exact situation same exact for the Ravens. So. And that's across the division, honestly, because yeah. each team in the division has two division games. And I think the Browns play the... The, the Packers, right? The Browns have the Packers. The Browns Steelers have the, have the Chiefs this week. The Bengals have the Chiefs next week, and the Ravens, the Ravens have the Rams, the Rams next week. Yeah. So it's like it's not like there's an easy game there for anybody. Yeah, everybody's got difficult out of division games, and so it's it's. I guess it's conceivable someone wins this division at nine and eight. It's certainly possible. So uh, unlikely, though. Yeah, it is unlikely. And yeah. uh, uh, so anyway, uh, anything else? Any any players? Any you know what? I'm not even going to ask you this. I, I'm I'm too depressed even to talk about it, frankly, about what matchup you might exploit in this game, because there's so many that, that are, that are across the field that might be, might be good. Honestly, the, the thing I'm most interested in is, is how the defensive approach is going to change and, mm-hmm. and whether the Bengals are ready for it. Because even if they aren't the players that you want on the field for Baltimore, like I said, the coaches are still the same and, mm-hmm. and the Ravens are a well-coached football team. And so I, I think there's got to be respect for that. And the, and the Bengals will have to be able to adapt on the fly because Regardless of who's out there, you know, you, you play the games on Sunday for a reason. And if they're not getting what they're expecting, I think they're smart coaches in Cincinnati. I think Joe Burrow is a very smart quarterback. But again, if they can't, if, if they get off to these slow starts and they did, it was a 3-0 first quarter mm-hmm. in, in, week, in week seven. 
and, and then it was 13-10 at halftime, and then they exploded in the second half. At some point, that's going to come back and bite you. And it has a couple times this year. And so I'm curious to see that bit of it. And then, you know, the, the, the Ravens going toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers last week is impressive stuff. And I have confidence in the Bengals' defense against a depleted Ravens' offense, especially because I think they can bottle up the running game to a pretty significant extent. But It's it's already bottled up with the guys that have yeah. the running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's, that's definitely part of it. But... Uh, you know, you, you still found a way to get to 30 points against the Packers, and that's not a terrible defense. So I, I think there's still some intrigue here, regardless of the injury and COVID illness situation. And, and you know, like like you, I don't really want it to be the the this like JV Ravens squad, but mm. I, I think there's still some intrigue there, even if it is because of what they've shown in the last few weeks. Right. All right. Well, I don't. I don't think they can change the rules and and postpone the game easily here. And in fact, it might it might really play against the Bengals to do that if if they were hit by a wave three days later or whatever. Yeah. And you know it uh, it it worked out that way. Anyway, uh, Jake, really appreciate having you come on here. Always good to talk football with you, even though this is a a not a fun time to talk Ravens football in terms of of uh, what personnel moves are are possible. Uh, but uh, tell folks again where they can follow you on Twitter and, and anything about your work you'd like to say. Yeah, at Jake Lisco on Twitter, L-I-S-C-O-W. And just happy to talk football, Ken. I, I, I love this stuff. I, I spend my off season trying to figure out how the Bengals like to attack different coverages. And maybe this year I'll start to learn a little bit more about defense, which I will admit I only understand from an offense perspective hmm. a lot of the time. Not, 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 not all of it, but, you know. Uh, always appreciate learning about the game and that's that's me all right appreciate it jake uh want to ask other people out there if you've been listening to these episodes and also the 25 years episodes we're coming down to the wire on those get your idea into me by dm on twitter dms are open narrow idea we can go deep on it in 25 minutes no mount rushmores i think i've said that enough times that people understand what kind of topic we're looking for uh jake thanks again for coming on Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.